0: Today's readings are Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14, and Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. They can be found on page 798 and 1,043 of the Bible's next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy, and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. The word of the Lord.
1: Sunday morning, our lives come into this space uh, just from all kinds of different places. There's joy of newness in our life. There are things happening that we had hoped for, maybe even prayed for, and we are giving you thanksgiving. We are excited. We are hopeful. Others of us are wrestling and struggling and facing news that is dark, so dark it seems almost to snuff out all the light. And others come in, in maybe in confusion and sitting in that confusion this morning, or that just the, the dullness or emptiness, and may assume that's, that other people around us are full of clarity and happiness and joy because, quite frankly, we, we put on our nice clothes sometimes, we put on smiley faces, and we try to present that to the world around us. And from all these different kinds of places, whether there's sadness or, or celebration. We universally sit before you as more of a mess, the bigger picture of our life, though there's all kinds of beauty and all kinds of um, created goodness that you have put in us, there's also a mess, and we're more of a mess than we want other people to know. And this story of your grace keeps warmly welcoming us in, inviting us to believe that you continue over and over to approach us because of Jesus and through Jesus and with the power of Jesus, approach us in our mess so that it's true we are a mess, but it's also true and more true that we are more loved and accepted than we ever imagined. And that as we try to make all kinds of other things our validation, and try to validate ourselves through all these phony baloney things, you validate once and for all through Jesus, taking the mess and the brokenness and the suffering on himself on the cross on our behalf. Through that door that is open to us today because of Jesus, we enter and we hope and we open our ears and our minds and our hearts for you now to speak and to bring your grace into our lives. Please do so, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In 1983... Um, an important journey began as the journey of National Lampoon's vacation movies.
0: <laughs>
1: and um, some of you have seen those movies apparently, some of you are way too young. Um, they, they were really funny, in case you, you didn't know. Chevy Chase played Clark Griswold, and in the first movie they got stuck uh, having to take along on this vacation, this family vacation with these two young pre-adolescent kids, and they're going to go to Wally World, and they kind of get stuck having to take, um, let's just say, the, the not very pleasant Aunt Edna, Edna along with them on the trip. They had to take Aunt Edna along. And of course, as things are happening and, and she's really annoying family member to have along on this trip, um, at one point they find her not to be alive anymore. And she, yeah. has, she has died in her sleep, which uh, some of you actually laughed at that. Um, so. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, that doesn't sound funny. But if you've seen the movie, it's kind of funny. They pulled it off somehow. That they, that now, what I'm about to describe, it doesn't sound funny, but if you've seen it, again, you'll laugh, is that they, they ended up putting her on top of the car with a tarp over her and taking her and, and putting her in a chair on a porch of another family member and doing an, Im, an impromptu, very sacrilegious impromptu service in the rain. Um, Saying a few words about her, some of them kind words, and then going back in their car and heading off to Wally World. Um, see, it doesn't sound funny if you haven't seen the movie, but somehow they pulled it off. In different movies, you know, then later on you get the what was it Weekend with Bernie? Is that the name of the one? The whole premise of the movie is that one of the guy the guy is dead, and all the shenanigans, you know, ensue. Every day we have we brush up against different kinds of deadness. And some of them, you know, we can kind of turn into a joke or we can laugh about in the end. You know, like your, your phone dies. Um, your car dies. Uh, and something like that happens and you can, you know, you can, it's maybe really annoying and maybe it does get really inconvenient. And maybe things do go horribly wrong because of it. But a lot of times a story like that can end up being a, a pleasant anecdote, a pleasant story to tell people a week or so later when the stress of it is gone and you can just laugh about it and it's maybe has all kinds of ironies involved and then there's other kinds of brushes with deadness that that we can't really laugh off and that are maybe we prefer to forget that they're happening Um, but those who maybe work in the medical profession can't forget that they happen you know the the code blue situations of life where you know um, life is in the balance And death makes itself known, and there's scary things that we're dealing with in our lives that are painful, that are devastating and crushing and full of sorrow. And as we come into a space like that, that's a real part of some of the energy and some of the experiences that you're bringing into this space and that we wrestle with as a community in our small groups, our community pods, and in our relationships we talk about these things, we pray about these things, as um, things like cancer come into our life, and we, um, we just wrestle with a lot of questions about why. And um, as even this week, as, as I've heard um, sad news and, and disappointing news about One of my close colleagues, who's also a minister and started a church around the same time City Life started, started about an hour and a half or two south of here, is they have four kids like I have four kids, and their 11-year-old has this cancerous tumor that, um, you know, the news initially was of treatment was kind of going well and then um, not so well. And this week to hear another report, um, you know, where the doctors aren't really even that hopeful. And... And so, you know, as I, as I was singing that first song that just kind of walked us through a lot of journeys of life and storms and out in the ocean and, um, and our tears being wiped away, that's where my mind was going, to this, this family that I'm close to and this, to just the depth of sorrow and pain they are entering into more this week. You know, someone you know gets a stroke, has heart failure. This week also, I, uh, I, guess, I guess these brushes with death have come in spades for me, is that um, there's been a lot of death on the street that I live on in the last three years. I think five different people have passed away. And this week I heard of one of them I didn't even know, and somebody was talking about this person's not there anymore, and I said, why? And, oh, you didn't hear, she died in her sleep about a month ago. And that wasn't fun, you know, there's no, nothing funny about that. I didn't laugh in response to that, I didn't make a joke, because our brushes up against death aren't funny. And we aren't laughing. I would say that life has, has lots of seeds, seeds of life. You know, your lives and the things you're doing. There's seeds of life all over in your lives. Some of them really big, some of them kind of small. And there's also seeds of deadness. Some of them crushing, some of them just kind of mildly annoying. And that's a part of life. And where these seeds of death are sown or where death itself has touched you and touch down in your life we're tempted to say something like well we don't go there some response like that we don't go there a couple weeks ago I went out to the movies I don't do that a lot and um, apparently uh, you know not nearly enough because I had no idea that this thing called XD have you heard of seeing a movie XD I think it's the Arden movie theater It might be the only one that has this. So XD means you pay a few dollars more, but you get this recliner that you push the button and it's huge. You could fit two people in this chair and the feet go up and the back goes down and huge cup holders and all kinds of space. You feel like you're in first class and you're watching this movie with this huge sound system and everything. It was pretty cool. I took my oldest boys to go see Kong, uh, Skull Island. It was awesome. It was the perfect movie to see in XD. Whatever XD is, that's, you know, that's what we did. And John C. Riley's character, who's, he's just such a funny guy, and his character says at one point as they come up upon this valley of bones, the bones of Kong's family who have passed away, and they come up on this valley of bones, and John C. Riley says, "Oh, we don't go there. We don't go there. And Samuel L. Jackson's character says, you know, he's the military guy, and he says, we're going in, and uh, you know, at the end of the scene, after a couple of them died, uh, John C. Riley says, "Now remember what I said. Let's, you know, I know some things about this island. We don't go there." Um, quite frankly, that can be our approach towards the deadness and the valleys of bones in our life. There's this, this quote that really nails it by uh, Simone Veil. Vale. I think it's in your worship guide, and the quote goes like this, kind of describing how we tend to deal with the dead, deadness in our lives. There are people who try to raise their souls like a man continually taking standing jumps in the hopes that if he jumps higher every day, a time may come when he will no longer fall back but will go right up to the sky. This Thus occupied, he cannot look at the sky. We cannot take a single step towards heaven. We can't. It is not in our power to travel in a vertical direction. If, however, we look heavenward for a long time, God comes and takes us up. He raises us easily. One of the things that's true about us is that God tenaciously enters in to the deadness and wants to bring life. Rolf Jacobson said this, but with God's spirit there is life. And what Jesus called fullness of life And there is no place on earth, no when in time, and no what in sin or situation that can keep God's spirit away from God's people. And I want you to think about that as we enter into reflecting on Ezekiel chapter 37, the valley of dry bones, and what this passage is actually saying to us. Because it's clear by God giving Ezekiel, who's a prophet, he's giving Ezekiel this vision of these bones, And there's no life there at all. He's he's saying, we we go there. I go there. God goes in to the deadness in his people's lives. And the valley, of course, and the bones, of course, represent a, a real hopeless situation for the ancient people of Israel. Ezekiel himself as there's these warring nations fighting over the little piece of land where Israel had been, had seen as their promised land and where they thrive and their temple was. Ezekiel himself had been led off by the captors to Babylon as they were exiled and brought out of their land. This is Ezekiel's experience. And he had, even to the point of before, most likely before this part of the scripture has been written in the flow of this book, um, Jerusalem has been fully sacked and the temple burned and Ezekiel has heard the news of this while being a captor in Babylon, a, a refugee in a far-off land with no important identity and no sense of people and place. Now you catch what happens. So that's, the, that's what's represented by the dry bones. They're, they're hopeless. The idea of... God caring, God being there for them, God interacting with them, and then having a life and a place as a people. There's a deadness to that. And that deadness is represented by the lifeless, dead bones that have no hint of life to them whatsoever. And what happens? What did you did you catch what happens? This is a, really kind of an, an amazing, almost like the way it's described is something you'd expect in a sci-fi film. In, in today's movies. In fact, maybe there's even been a scene like this because you can just picture the, the you know, com- computer-generated graphics or whatever you'd call it, you know, the, the computer th- way that you can mess with movies. You can tell my technical language here. And, you know, and the, you know suddenly there's like, there's just these bones, but then suddenly there's, you see the, the uh, organs being put in and then you see these tendons and muscles appearing and then skin coming up over that. You can just kind of picture a movie that shows that in a really cool, kind of weird, creepy, but amazing way. And that's what's described here that all of a sudden, um, like in verse 8, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then a little bit later, and the breath entered them and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And this is the kind of Hope that is being given to this people who are in the midst of the, the greatest hopelessness and death and deadness. This is, this is how God enters in and says, I go there and I have something to offer to the seeds of death in your life. God can bring life. God is the life bringer amidst your addictive patterns of behavior that you feel really discouraged by and powerless amidst Um, your destructive habits, your deadly irreligiosity and your deadly religiosity, your um, dead-end anxiety and worry and depression and suicidal thoughts, your deadly anger and your debilitating physical sickness and disease. God is the life bringer. And what the Israelites, I don't know if they took this message, but what the message is, is that no matter how hopeless it looks, God is the God of impossible CPR amidst our code blue situations where we just see death and hopelessness. Somehow God still holds on and still sees a scrap of life. In fact, the whole Bible confirms this truth. The whole sweep of the Bible goes in this direction to the point where as Jesus' ministry kind of comes to an end and Jesus has strangely said all kinds of I am statements, like before Abraham was, I am. And in Ezekiel 37, there's this thing of, they will know that the name of God sounds like I am, Yahweh, that I am the Lord. That's how it's translated here as the Lord. But behind that is this I am identity. And then Jesus comes as a, I am. I, I am the I am, and I am the good shepherd, and I am the bread of life. And as Jesus comes to the end of his life, what happens? On the cross, Matthew, um, this, is, this is an amazing thing. I don't know if you've ever read this in Matthew 27 verse 50 through 54, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion and those with him, so in other words, when a total non-believing skeptic standing nearby, when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. Jesus comes and even in his death, um, life, sort of the Ezekiel 37 tombs, I will, I will bring you alive out of the tombs, those, those words that Katie read. Those are happening now. Jesus is where all of that was driving and pointing and is the climactic revelation of that part of God's character and being, the life-bringer. And, you know, that just tops off all the stories. If you think about Jesus, think about all the ways. Maybe you know some of them, maybe you don't. There's so many ways in which Jesus was the life-bringer. Sometimes, if if you ever want to, for a season, just read through one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, You'll be surprised as you just read straight through all the ways that this is just hitting you one after another after another of Jesus bringing life, Jesus reviving one person, Jesus restoring another person, Jesus healing another person, Jesus even raising a person from the dead happened in with Lazarus, it happened with this little girl, 12-year-old girl And Jesus um, restoring and reviving and renewing people's life situation, raising people up out of a dead-end social standing. He just, over and over and over, Jesus is bringing life. He's fixing, he's renewing. In a relationship with Jesus the invitation for you is that this, this relationship with Jesus that we are constantly inviting you into is a relationship with this life. It's a relationship of life coming into those places that you've walked into here, those areas of deadness. It's Jesus' life is available to come in and begin to renew, begin to heal, begin to bring grace And, you know, one little caveat I should say, just pastorally, as your pastor is, to say it won't necessarily look like you expect the new life that comes in the areas of deadness. And that can be really humbling and surprising. But for some reason we'd rather do. I already actually um, was going to save this quote for now, and I already read it out of place, but this quote by Simone Veil, vale, did you catch that? Some of us were jumping up. We would prefer, rather than to say, all of this stuff in my life that I want kind of you know, fixed, we prefer to make our own arrangements for our dead spaces in our lives. Oh, I've made arrangements for that. I've got that handled. I've got a plan to bring a more full life, you know, to get more of the kind of life I want. I've got arrangements. I've got it handled. And it can be humbling and yet very necessary to say, it's not about our arrangements, and we can't jump our way up into raising our life to the kind of life that God provides. Um, I think you already sense where I'm going with this, is that, we, you know, we come into this space, friends. you come into this space, and I know because you talk to me about it, you come into the space and you have areas of deadness that are very real. Seeds of deadness might be small, might be very weighty and, and filled with sorrow right now. And the invitation is to place them before a very competent God, the life-giving God, and to trust. And those words of Jesus, I don't know if you've heard these words, but I believe on the on the discussion or on the listening guide, it's the it's the key verse. I have I have come, Jesus says. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus brings. That's the offer today. Probably the hardest part is to is to not is to stop saying we don't go there. And one of the joys of the last few weeks, for whatever reason, I've been in the presence of a whole bunch of people in different meetings, whether it's one-on-one or a small group or a bigger group, and in all these situations, people have been going there. Whether it's a group of pastors I was with at one point or a group of, of, um, you know, our dive group at City Life or one-on-one meetings with people or our leadership team retreat, people going there. There's areas of deadness. We're all carrying them. And the healing that I've been seeing in people's lives through going there has been outstanding. It's been really amazing. It's nothing I'm doing. I'm just, you know, uh, uh, some of those groups I'm leading, some of those are one-on-one things where I'm someone's guide or pastor, and I'm I'm just watching what God is doing once we bring our deadness to him. And that's the invitation every day with this one called Jesus. Let's pray to him now. Our God of grace, Um, whether we need to be, you know, convinced because we are very skeptical or whether we need to be, um, we need your life to show up pretty big because we have been burned and it's hard to trust or whether we just need help admitting things because we want to look good on the outside. Whatever, whatever it is, I know this is a very difficult realm for us to enter in. Would you help us in the ways we need help to get real so that, we can, so that we can trust and we can kind of be held in your hands as you bring new life. May your spirit breathe life into our lives. And may it be better than we imagined. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.